0: It's the Pistons Pod. Here's your host, Matt Derry.
1: I welcome everybody another edition and installment of the Pistons Pod right here at Pistons.com and wherever you find your podcast. it is Matt Derry with you another week. And man, just six games to go. The Pistons play Memphis, Philly, Chicago, Minnesota, Denver, and Miami. And then the regular season comes to a close. Of course, Monday night, hard-fought loss at home to the Magic by seven. And then Tuesday night, the three-point defeat, one hundred two ninety-nine, at the hands of the Charlotte Hornets. And boy, what a game for Hamadou Diallo with the 35 points. We're going to talk about all of that with our guest today, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio. Number one national guy when it comes to calling the games. And you'll hear him on the call of the NBA Finals later on this summer. Mark Kestesher is with us today. Kesty, always a pleasure.
0: Matt, fun to be on with you. Yeah, I always have to tell my wife and my family, like, don't expect me till the end of July. My summer's going to be maybe five weeks long this year is uh, the way the schedule has worked out this season. But uh, it's it's a wide-open postseason. I think the draft is on the 29th of July, right after a week after Game 7. Um, and I know a lot of fans uh, in the Detroit area that certainly have taken their lumps the last couple of years and then see all the youth that's coming and a potential really good draft pick coming at the end of July as well.
1: No question about it, Mark. And I know when you were down at the All-Star game and there were discussions, I'm sure, with everybody that you work with, including our buddy, the former Piston John Barry, and of course the great engineer Al Rosenberg from, from Detroit. But talking Pistons, there's an excitement again around, around this organization, isn't there?
0: No, there really is. I mean, you, you look at the records, and obviously everyone's seeing who's going to have the most ping-pong balls, and so you get caught in that trap of, you know, wow, this is one of the legendary bad teams right now, whether it's, you know, uh, the Pistons or the Rockets, who have, you know, completely, uh, you know, bottomed out. But you got to look at the bigger picture. And as opposed to Houston, which is, you know, making trades and moving contracts and still trying to figure out what's next – Um, I think you're right. There seems to be some kind of excitement because there's a process. There's a plan. Um, There are really good athletes and basketball players, young guys that are getting real minutes here late in the season. And this is a really good draft coming up. You know, those of us who watched the NCAA tournament, you know, certainly saw uh, Jalen Suggs. And I had Kate Cunningham at least three times on Oklahoma State games this year. I didn't have Evan Mobley, but watched him in the playoffs. I did G League games, so I saw Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. I mean, there's some really good players uh, that Troy Weaver's going to add, a player, if they're fortunate enough to get in that top five and the, the high percentage that they would, that they could add to it. So, yes, there should be there should be plenty of optimism, you know, despite
1: a complete rebuild. You mentioned Troy Weaver. Um, how important is it, and you've been around this league a long time, just to have that guy at the top, that just knows talent and can evaluate it because right now that's what gets most people excited.
0: Yeah, it's huge. Uh, and he had a really good draft last year, at least in my opinion, uh, making some moves and um, you know making choices on guys you really haven't seen yet. Uh, you know, uh, like Sadiq Bay. You know, to, to to acquire him. So I, I just think there are there's a class of really good talent evaluators who have done it over the long haul. You know, Sam Presti comes to mind, you know, right away uh, for what he's been able to do uh, in the markets that he's been in with a lot of draft picks and really hit on those picks. So, you know, you look around the league, you look at the young guys who have had a little bit of a track record. Troy is building his, and hopefully, um, you know, he continues to hit on some. And it's it's a strange place to be because, you know, uh, you want everything now if you're a fan Or even if you're a broadcaster, you're looking at, all right, what makes us competitive next year? And that's not necessarily how these guys are wired. That's why they're so special, because they can see the pieces. They may know this is a two-year thing, build out. And they may be looking at talent that's two years down the road, and I'm only looking at guys I saw this year. So uh, it's so important to have guys who have that plan. It's a multi-year plan. They're looking down the road. And then, of course, there's a little luck involved as well that that you hit on that guys you think are going to be good and are going to get better, you know, year after year.
1: Are rebuilds shorter in the Eastern Conference, in your mind, based on where Detroit sits?
0: That's that's a great point because yes I mean just look at the, the the way the playoff structure is this year with the top ten seeds and uh, by my latest account uh, the eight nine and ten are all under five hundred you know as opposed uh, you know into the west which was all above five hundred I think the Spurs have since slipped with a very tough schedule and a bunch of losses late but yes I mean you can get. Um, you know, in most years, I mean, this is a, maybe an outlier year where you can get toward the five or the six seed just above 500. But it does, you know, if I track the East and I don't have it off the top of my head, but it does feel like outside of the very tippy top, you know, with Brooklyn, and I don't know you know, if that's a two-year window or longer, Philadelphia, you know, those guys are coming into their prime. Milwaukee may be poised for a longer run here as they continue to, you know, obviously keeping Giannis uh, long-term is huge. But after that, you know, you have – Boston's always going to be a part of the mix, but the Miamis, the Atlantas who are young and coming, you know, the Charlotte Hornets who may have hit on a couple of things. I mean, you could be right in that same level in very short order, so I think that's a great point, especially with all the talent that we've had over the last decade
1: plus in the West. Mark sure the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio, the play-by-play man. Uh, joining us here today on the Pistons pod, you mentioned before Troy Weaver finding players. What about Jeremy Grant? You you called some of his games when he was in the playoffs of so the Nuggets. Now taking it to a whole new level this season in terms of going after the basketball, wanting it late in games. He's been hurt lately, but what about his uh, you know elevation this season?
0: Yeah, it's 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 fun to see too, and and uh, I have to take off uh, the Syracuse hat as well. Cause, you, <laughs> you know, we, we still think of him in, in that That's right. game as well. I I was surprised um, you know that Denver didn't um stick with him that's you know a, a huge pickup for detroit uh, he definitely has uh, taken advantage i think he's also improved not only is he you know scoring on a team that you know is going to end up you know in the 20s as far as the win column is concerned uh but uh, when he's 100 percent healthy he has looked like a player that any team in the nba would want so i i think that's that's a huge pickup um I always thought there was huge upside for Hamid uh, Diallo. I thought that was a nice pickup too. I think he's restricted, but still, um, you know, at least from stuff I had read, that uh, the Pistons are interested long term in, in in him as well. So, you know, another guy who has um, you know potential for really good talent, and just a matter of you know stockpiling all those guys and then figuring out where they all belong. And Troy also. Um, And I think Jeremy uh, and Hamadou, you know, fit in that category, too, as well as so many guys on this current Pistons roster is they're interchangeable, which is, you know, obviously the way the the league has gone. I think the Warriors kind of showed us that front a few years ago. And, you know, for coaches who have the ability to move these guys around. I know JB and I, John Barry, and I always often rail on switching defenses, sometimes being lazy. But when you have really good guys who can switch and can defend one through five, um, you know, now now you're putting yourself in a different stratosphere, different area, and and as much as you know, we all we all gravitate toward offense. You know, we know that a really good defense can do what you said earlier, which is move you from the bottom third of the East right into the middle third, and then you put a, a couple of good pieces of
1: talent around it, and now you're now you're a competitor. You mentioned Diallo, 35 points on Tuesday night, going kind of toe to toe with. Uh, Lamelo Ball and the Hornets, and the Hornets ended up hanging on and winning. But um, that's a kid. You're right. Where gets into the league at 19 and 20, maybe doesn't fit where he was. Just needs a change of scenery. But bringing in young guys that are hungry and and can play. I mean, that's where kind of that's kind of the Troy Weaver a uh, sweet spot right now.
0: Yeah, it is. And the thing that has surprised me this year, and I really hope it sticks, is his uh, three point shooting because um, that you know makes him really dangerous he was um, I think he's still shooting over 40% since coming over and if I recall he was a 30 or sub 30% three point shooter for most of his time at Oklahoma City so I'm not sure um, you know change of scenery uh, just a really good stretch or hopefully finally uh, you know all that work on the perimeter is starting to pay off a little bit so you know they can get him under you know a, a contract a longer term contract to stay in Detroit and you're right. I mean, he's 22. I would never have guessed that because it feels like he's been around the league right. you know, enough uh, enough years now where you think he's mid-20s. He's 22. I mean, old school for you and me. That's like just getting out of college and, and heading into a rookie year in the NBA. And he's already got three, four years under his belt. So uh, I see nothing but positive. Again, I think all across the league we say as long as you stay healthy. And he's had his share of injuries earlier uh, in his career. So hopefully he stays healthy. I think that's a great pickup that uh, that the Pistons made back in March.
1: Man, 102 one hundred two ninety nine. That's a low scoring game these days. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right. That's taking it back almost to the nineties. Didn't we have one the other day? Uh, that was uh, I forget what it was. Was it the Lakers who won with like ninety one or yeah. three points? Yeah. And you usually don't see that. I know the Nets and the Bucks. Nobody's winning a game unless you score about one hundred fifteen or one hundred twenty.
1: Trying to remember, I believe it was the Rick Carlisle year, maybe his second year could have been 02 when the Pistons and Celtics played in the second round and the game ended like 68 63. I mean, it was <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, just defense and grind it out. I mean, heck, Kesty, the Pacers scored a buck 40 the other night and lost in Washington. I know,
0: it, it, it reminds me of um, kind of right before we all went to college in the early to mid-80s when the Denver Nuggets and all those teams in the West, you know, we didn't have League Pass back then, so I would get up, at you know, 4.30, 5 in the morning, deliver my papers, whatever, and you'd see those, the, the box scores, or yeah. maybe I'd see it on Sports Center on the highlights at 6 in the morning before going to school, and it was, you know, 165 to 159, so they were just scores, but I mean, that's what they were doing back then, and then you got to the realization, I remember last year this time when we were putting together classic old games to run on ESPN Radio on the weekends to fill some of the time. Yeah, and we had I think it was the night was it the '96 Finals? Maybe it was '97 when the Utah Jazz were held to like 57 points. Yeah, when the Bulls won by
1: like 40. That was the route like, game. Yeah. How's that possible? Like, you're scoring
0: 75 regularly and a half now. It's it's unbelievable.
1: Do you think guys just aren't? moving their feet and keeping themselves between the man in the basket. I mean, there's just – and I know there's not as many rim protectors anymore because it's a, a smaller game. But what, what do you think about some of the defense being played?
0: Yeah, I think uh, some of that is that, you know, a lazy switching defense. Some of it is, you know, I, I don't I don't have the tracking on this, but just from watching games, and you would probably corroborate is There's so much more three-point shooting and bad three-point shooting. The long rebounds lead to fast breaks. The amount of three pointers that get hit on a nightly basis, you know, teams are getting 15 to 20. I don't know what the average is, but all those extra points as well add up. Um, And I also think this year, and it's, I feel like a broken record because every coach I speak to, I get the same response. It's just the lack of practice, um, the lack of rest, you know, guys getting tested every morning. And afternoon and not getting their sleep schedule, so I don't know if that's all related to it. But it's been it's been extra sloppy this year, even for the good teams on the defensive end. Like I can't figure out, New Orleans is probably not going to make the playoffs. They would need you know a perfect finish, and I know the Spurs have a really brutal schedule, but um, New Orleans is it's a gifted offensive team, and they just don't play a lick of defense. You know, every once in a while they do, and I don't know if it's just not practicing. Um, or just teams are not as good at it. They should be good in New Orleans under Stan Van Gundy, uh, and they've been much better in New York under Tom Thibodeau, all these traditional really good defensive uh, coaches. But maybe it's just the year or the two years. It's hard to really put your finger on it, but it has not been great in many places.
1: Mark sure the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio. We'll be calling the NBA Finals the All-Star Game earlier this year. Our guest here on the Pistons pod. You mentioned before, Kesty, that you saw Cade Cunningham and called some games for ESPN Radio on the college side this year. When Cade, of course, spent his one year at Oklahoma State, is, is in your mind, is he the clear-cut number one pick?
0: I thought he was for much of the season, and it's hard to argue with six-eight ball handler. You know, can score at uh, all three levels. I I did a Gonzaga game earlier this year and just fell in love with Jalen Suggs and it was reignited uh, in Gonzaga's run to the championship game. But the size of Cunningham, this is a really tough draft. It, I'm not going to say it's Portland, Seattle, you know, with Odin and Durant. And I work with PJ Carlosimo enough who was in Seattle to tell me we didn't have to make the first choice. So whoever came to us, we were happy and certainly happy. It oh, ended up yeah. being Kevin Durant for sure. Um, but uh, boy, it, it's it's a it's a wealth of riches. And Cunningham's smart too, smart as a whip. Uh, I love Mike Boynton, the head coach at, at Oklahoma State. He's known Cade, uh, you know, for the last five, six years since Cade was uh, early high school, and you know he just vouches for you know his basketball IQ. So I think he's everything uh, that's being written about him, and is a very worthy number one pick. Um, but it's also hard to pass over a guy like Suggs, you know, who um, you know, maybe is the next Damian Lillard. Uh, I have no idea. And, and, and the Geely guys, um, you know, Jalen Green is a similar body type to Cunningham. You know, he's, he's long, 6'8", ish, and also, you know, can shoot it from range. And I didn't know anything about Jonathan Kamingo, who doesn't even get really talked about as a top-five guy. But he's another guy, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, skilled. They only played whatever it was. 15, 16 games, if you include playoffs and the G League bubble, so a very small sample size. And I haven't even mentioned Evan Mobley yet, but the other four guys, to me, I mean, they're so rich at the top. I would take any of those guys and be happy with
1: it. You said you called some of those uh, G League games. Um, How was the level of competition, and could you really could you kind of tell with with Green and Kaminga that that you knew they were going to be uh, high picks, you know, based on, obviously, the competition level?
0: Yeah, I thought that green and kaminga never really hit their stride to me at least for the games i called and and i watched a few as well you know to stay in prep mode um so i thought the competition was decent i know the g league often gets criticized for its lack of defense and you know guys will just run it up but i thought it was a different case with that g league ignite team Uh, for those who weren't familiar they were the young guys that also had the veterans um, who were helping them along, like older guys like Amir Johnson, who was in his mid-30s and played a long time, um, you know, in guys of that vein. And so I thought um, they had a lot on their plate, having not only not gone to college but hadn't played in a long time because they skipped college and the G League went to the bubble, which didn't even start till March. So many of them showed up in, you know, the Bay Area, to work out in late November and just scrimmaged for three months. So, you know, I never really got the sense that they got the same. They certainly didn't get the same schedule as guys like Cunningham and Suggs and Mobley, but I thought some of the talent they they, they went up against were more NBA caliber and also the rules, you know, playing with a 24-second shot clock and, uh, you know, playing back-to-backs. And even though there wasn't any travel, which would have been, kind of nice. That's what they wanted for this Ignite team initially, you know, pre-pandemic when, you know, you'd be on the road and it'd be a tough travel schedule and, you know, it'd be more like the NBA. You know, they didn't really get that. But I thought, you know, it's a long-winded say. Of I thought Green and Kaminga got some decent competition and maybe a little truer sense of what that transition is going to be like for a 19-year-old to go into the NBA next year.
1: Final question for Mark Kestisher. Great to have him on uh, to talk some NBA, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio. As you get ready for the playoffs, Kesty, what, what do you think? What what are you prepping for? What do you think is going to happen? I know everybody loves talking about the Lakers, but what do you see uh, happening this summer? And, and maybe, maybe who do you like coming out of each conference?
0: You know, it's, it's so funny because I thought I had it all down pat, you know, before the All-Star game. I'm like, well, we know wherever the Lakers end up seated they're going to be in great position and they've got lebron and they've got ad and i thought they have better talent than they had last year so that's my choice in the west and in the east i'm like hey i don't know how you beat this brooklyn nets team when you have those three guys together and now here we are less than two weeks from the end of the regular season the, the lakers guys are all banged up even though they're back they're still not winning and the nets guys have played six and a half games together all year and I I have no idea. Like, I look at Phoenix and Utah at the top of the West, and they're great stories, but I discounted them all year as being, you know, championship teams, and, and now I have to, you know, really consider them. And the Clippers have come on, but I'm not sure if their supporting cast is great. And then Denver, I figure they're done when Jamal Murray goes down, and then they go out and win nine out of ten games. So... You know it feels like a, a real you know cheap remark to say this is as wide open as it's ever been and anybody can win but it kind of feels that way um you know out of the east I mean I don't see anybody really giving the Sixers the Nets and the Bucks, you know a, a true scare um well somebody could give them a scare but I don't know if they're going to take those three teams out so to me it's still the Nets but I haven't seen it and I fell into that trap last year Matt I I said the Clippers are going to win the NBA championship. I know they haven't been healthy, and I know that uh, you know when we went to the bubble, guys weren't there initially. Lou Williams, infamously, and Montrezl <laughs> Harrell, whose you know grandmother passed away, so it was it never happened, and they got knocked out. And then the Bucks got knocked out similarly in the second round, and you know they were involved in all the unrest in in Kenosha, and maybe their eye wasn't on the NBA prize, so. um I, I, that's a long way to say I have no idea. I still think the Nets are coming out of the East somehow. I don't know why I'm saying that. I love their uh, the guys they've brought around them, and I feel that those guys have played so much. You know, the Jeff Greens, who's been a starter, guys you never heard of like Bruce Brown, who's played. Well, you guys have heard in Detroit, but uh, many across the country don't know Bruce Brown, who, who's been really good for that team this year. And you go up and down. Um, You know, adding Blake Griffin again, it's going to be like a Pistons championship if the Nets win this thing. But they they have guys that have done it in larger minutes that now get to scale back, and it's a lot easier. You know, when you have James Harden out there conducting, if he gets healthy and stays healthy. So I still think it's the Nets in the East, and I have no clue in the West. I really don't. I think Phoenix and Utah would be a great story. Any of them, if they if they win it out, uh, you know, to get to the to get to the NBA Finals but I have really no idea on the West. I could still see the Lakers you know, getting on track, maybe getting a scare in the uh, a play-in, maybe, and then having to go to the first round and then getting healthy and going, but I have no idea on the West.
1: Kesty, great catching up. Thanks so much. Matt, always great. Good to talk to you. You got it. There he is, to share the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio, joining us this week on the Pistons pod right here at Pistons.com. We'll talk to you again next week.